Me then. <laughs> so let's move that slightly. Good. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> there's there's no sneaking in, you know. No sneaking in at the back. <laughs> I want to just share. Um, well, I don't suppose it'll be short by the time I've finished, but um, just something to kind of encourage you and to make you um, understand how this life and this walk with God should look. So um, there's like three parts to God's promise. There's the promise itself, there's the spirit of the promise, and then there's a manifestation of the promise. Right? So God says something, then there's a waiting time, and then the promise comes to pass. Which one is the most important? <laughs> of course, the one at the end when we get all the goods. <laughs> no, that's not the answer, but it's probably might be your answer, I don't know. So um so we, we have a, an instant right at the beginning of Abraham. He re, receives a promise from God that you're going to have a son and you'll call his name Isaac. But Abraham in Genesis 16 says to his, or his missus says to him, Sarah, sorry, says, you know, how long is this going to go on? We're not having any kids, you know. You may as well take Hagar, the bondservant, you know, to be your wife and have, have a, a kid by, by that means. So he does, he sleeps with Hagar and they bring forth a son, a son called Ishmael. But this is God's version of, of what just happened in Genesis 17, verse 20. Genesis 17, verse 20. And God says, well, as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I've blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and I will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes. Isn't that interesting? And I will make him a great nation. But my covenant, my promise, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So the promise was there. The promise had been given and they'd had to wait. And in the waiting, all hell breaks loose. I tell you, if you're waiting for God to do something, that's the t- toughest time. But we have lots of examples of it in the Bible. Lots of examples. Paul introduces to something that, an issue that was facing the church then, and it's still facing the church today. Galatians 4, verse 22. Galatians 4.22 For it is written that Abraham had two sons one by the bondwoman the other by the free woman and the next verse but he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh and he of the free woman was through the promise So here's the point Paul was trying to make to us right back then. God can promise us something, 
And we have two ways of producing it. One by our own efforts and our own means, or one by waiting for the promise to come to pass. How long do you want to wait? How long is it? What's a reasonable time? Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. There are two ways of producing what looks like God's purposes. The flesh and the spirit. But first, above everything, must come the promise. Everything spiritual is born by promise or a word from God, a declaration or a prophetic revelation. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says this, We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. How did everything come into being? By what God said. What God says, that's his promises, that's his prophecies, that's his declarations. What God says, everything that exists came from that. Why would that be any different now? Isn't it the same? That what God says is what he wants to come to pass. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Matthew 4, 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Hebrews 10, 38. Sorry, I'm saying verses fast. The just shall live by faith. So there's the word, the promise, the declaration, the prophecy. Then comes faith to begin to believe for what God has said to come to pass. That's how it should be. Faith comes to believe that what God has said will come to pass. In the waiting, that faith is tested. Big time. That faith is tested. We read in Genesis 15 verse 6 that Abraham believed the Lord and God accounted it to him for righteousness. I've preached on this a few weeks ago, so I won't say any more about it. Faith counts as righteousness, but it's faith that comes through hearing what God has said. That's the faith that is counted as righteousness. So I'm now going to read you two lists and see which list you'd like to belong to. These are people who had that faith, right? And what they did. If you don't know by now, you probably will do before today's out. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the chapter on faith, right? Now, let me read you the first list. What more shall I say? Oh, sorry, Hebrews 11, but I don't know what verse it is, so sorry about that. Um, uh, you could have a look for it. Um, it's probably around 20-ish or something. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to talk of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, 
quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the enemy. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Great list. Is, shall we consider ourselves in that list? That our faith has helped us achieve and produce and, and overcome and be victorious and, and that's how we're remembered. These men and women are remembered eternally in scriptures. Their faith is accomplished all those things. But then they give another list. <laughs> Others, it's just gone off so I'm going to wait for that to come back on because you need to eat this. <laughs> like, you know. There's another list in the same chapter, just moving on to the next verse. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. Oh, that's just, What? They were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world is not worthy of these people. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth, and all these have obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. So they had the promise. And in their waiting period, instead of overcoming enemies and having their children born and having great victory in this, they suffered during that period. But they were seen as highly honourable men from heaven's perspective and women. It says they didn't receive their promise. If we go back to verse 13, it says the similar thing. It's called the chapter on faith, but all the verses I'm reading tell you, not, faith's not a good idea. <laughs> right? The next, it says this, Hebrews 11, 13 to 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Look, I've begun a sermon that says we live by the promises of God. That God wants to promise things about our life. And now I'm reading verses that say, but it might not happen. So what's that about? Let me read on. They all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them. What that means is their faith in what God had said was producing in them a life that could live in the spirit of the promise, even if the promise didn't get fulfilled. They saw it afar off and they embraced it. They saw their freedom afar off and they embraced their freedom, even though what happened in the natural didn't match up. Um, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they'd called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. 
Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That is quite a challenging message for us this morning. We want God's promises and God says you can only live by my promises. That's where the life is in my promises. But what I'm beginning to realise is it's actually in the spirit of the promises that the life is. If all we have is, God, when you do it, I'll be satisfied, then we've missed the spirit. And where do you think the life of the promise is? It's in the spirit. So we need to somehow take that middle step, that one in the middle. Now just so that you don't think life's tough for you, faith is that which connects us to the spirit of the promise, which by the way is the presence of God. Noah was 120 years from when God says, I'm going to flood the earth, but I'll save you and your family. 120 years. That's a long time. Even for people who lived a long time. Joseph had that dream, remember the dream? Uh, you're gonna, your mom and dad will bow down to you and everybody will bow down to you and you know, you'll become great sort of thing. Do you know how many years it was from when Joseph heard that to when it came to pass? 23 years. In that time he gets sold, he gets put in prison, he gets lied about, he get, it, it's terrible. 23 years of it going completely the opposite way to what the promise said. What do you do when it goes the opposite way to what the promise says? Is the promise not real? These people knew how to live in that spirit of the promise. Israel were 400 years in Egypt, although God had said that that would happen, that they'd be there for 400 years. That's a long time as well to be in bondage. Abraham, 25 years before Isaac was born. I think he's 75 when God gives him the promise. And he's 99 when he has Isaac. Tim, Ian, Don, Steph, this is my promise for you. Well, when there's no way of the flesh producing the promise, the promise can come. But oh man, it's, we, we want to do it. We want to do it. We want to make things happen. But look at this word. This was from Jeremiah. Israel again had, had gone through a, a rough time and, and they'd turned their back on God and they weren't following his laws. And so he says, you're going to go into captivity and you're going into captivity for 70 years. And this is what he told them to do in captivity. Jeremiah 29 verse 4. Jeremiah 29 verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what he says to do while you're there. Build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat their, eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so they can bear sons and daughters that you might increase and not be diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away 
and pray to the Lord for it, for its peace, for in its peace you will have peace. Where's God saying to them, actually, you're going into captivity, but if you pray hard enough, if you come against the enemy, if you, you, you'll be out, I'll get you back out. He says, no, this is, this is for 70 years, go in there and live and just be good people and be, you know, and be kind and be generous and, and build houses and be prosperous. And do, do. We don't expect that from God. I'm nearly done. We'd like to know. 70 years the prophecy before liberty would come. John 13 verse, sorry, Job 13 verse 15. That's a bit different, isn't it? John, Job. Job 13 verse 15. I don't know if you know, but Job's this guy who's got everything, family, riches, importance, significance. And it all goes. And everything goes, including his health. And he's covered in boils and everything's gone wrong. His kids have died and it's just disaster after disaster. And he says this about God. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Job had his trust in the promise and the character of God. Not in the evidence of the things around him. What's going on in your life? What's happening to you? You know, we, we have this thing sometimes where good things is being a good person and bad things means there's something bad going on. Actually, Job said, whatever's happening, I'm just going to trust him all the way. He didn't understand why, what, how or when, but he knew he could trust God. That alone was his strength. Do you know the promise of who God is? Do you know the promises of his goodness? Do you know the promise of this future? Our only hope is in his promises. Thank you and God bless you. Take care. I need to sit down.